Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 16. Exodus 16. We're going to start there. We're going to start with verse 15. Um, I, I had no doubt that I felt like the Lord had given me a message for this morning. And after hearing Icky uh, speak, I was like, we're right on it. I know that God's speaking today. So Exodus 16, verse 15, it says, and, and we're going to be reading out the King James Version. So, and when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord had given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord, ha- Lord had commanded. Gather it of every man according to his eating. Gather it of every man according to his eating. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they, they did, they meet it and, and with an omer and he gathered much and had nothing over and, and had gathered little and had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning and it bred worms and it stank. And Moses was wroth with them. He was angry with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man, according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. This morning, I want to talk to you from a concept and from a principle uh, and, and from something that God, I feel like, has given me Hungry for more. I'm hungry for more. I want you guys to kind of catch that this morning. The entire, this message, the title of this message would be, I'm hungry for more. Hungry for more. You see, Exodus is a profound book. It's a prolific book in the life of a believer. For most who would preach it and teach it, we would summarize it as this. The book of Exodus is both a book of of bondage and liberation. It's both a book of bondage and liberation. Most would summarize it that the first parts of the book we see bondage and it didn't last forever. That there is a space in which God intervenes on behalf of his people and liberates them into a place that they've been called to be. And while most preachers would preach either on the bondage or the liberation part of Exodus, today I want to take a second and ask an important question that nobody seems to ask Why were they in bondage in the first place? Why and how did this happen? Well, we know in Genesis that Joseph uh, came on the scene and that he had a great, he had a great relationship. God had given him favor with Pharaoh. And so because of that, in Genesis, we know that, that the children of Israel were blessed because of this relationship that, that Joseph had with Pharaoh. But in, there's, there's a moment where where in the Bible, in Exodus 1, it says that all of a sudden there rose up a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph or his family. You see, this Pharaoh had bad intentions for the children of Israel. He had bad intentions for the children of Israel. And let me take just a moment to remind you that the enemy is not for you this morning. The enemy has bad intentions for this generation. He's trying to confuse this generation. He's trying to get us to this place where we compromise just a little bit, where we think it's okay just to compromise. And I want to challenge you that the enemy comes in like, he comes in like this angel of light, 
but all he's after is to kill, steal, and destroy this generation. And you need to realize that he has bad intentions for you. You need to realize that he is not for you. He is against you. But God is greater in us than the enemy. And so, what was the purpose? And why? And how did the the children of Israel, how did they end up in this situation? In Exodus 1, it says this. It says, now... There arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel, listen to this, are more, are more and mightier than we. They are more, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there for a moment. If you want to know what this attack is really about, if you want to know what this attack, what this situation is all about, it's because the enemy has some inside information on who you're called to be. He has some inside information on your purpose, on your destiny, and he's going to send everything he can to try to stop you from what God is wanting to do in this house and in this nation and in this region. Did you hear me this morning? He has some inside information. He knows that you're called more than we know. You are more and mightier than what you think. And so as soon as the Pharaoh, as soon as he saw that they were more and mightier, he sends an onslaught to try to stop them, to try to kill them. Why? Because he was scared of their true design. He was scared of their true identity. You are more than mighty and mightier than what you know this morning. I know what happened in your family. I know what happened with your dad. I know what happened with your mom. But let me tell you something this morning. I know, you know, it, when we stop and we think about it, what your mama did to you, I I know it was tough what your dad did to you, but you need to realize this morning you might have come through your mom and dad, but you didn't come from your mom and dad. There is a greater God. There is a greater source who says you are more and mightier than what you know. You're more than mightier. And so there's some of us, I want, I want to challenge you right now. You need that, that resonated with some of you in this morning. Put your hand on your chest this morning. Put your hand on your chest. And you need to declare this. I'm more, I'm more and mightier than what I know. I'm more and I'm mightier. I'm, I'm not the drug addict they said I was. I'm not, the, I'm not the one that's in bondage like they said I was. I'm not the, I'm not my trauma. I'm not my tragedy. I'm not what I've been through. I am greater. I know that God is greater inside of me. He has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for me. I am more and I am mightier than what you know. I'm more and I'm mightier. Can I go deeper? He said, not only are they more and they are mightier. Let me tell you what the devil doesn't want you to figure out. Is that you have authority. That you have authority. Listen to me. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I feel like running this morning. I don't, I, I'm going to tell you the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead. He quickens our mortal body. He dwells inside of me. He doesn't want you to know that you're mightier. He doesn't want you to know that you have authority. He doesn't want you to know that you have purpose this morning. And he's, the spirit of God is living on the inside of me. If you know that you got some power. If you know you got some authority. Let's give the Lord some praise all across this house I know, I know he's for me I know he's for me I know he's got me I know he's got me you see the enemy doesn't want you to know it but when you walk in the room he's scared the enemy doesn't want you to know it when you step up, when you wake up in the morning there's an alarm clock that goes off in hell saying hey they're awake, 
They're awake. Get ready. They're awake. They're awake. I want you to hear me this morning. You have something on the inside of you that's greater than what you know. You have something on the inside of you that's greater than what you'll ever see. And so he doesn't want you to lay hands on the sick. He doesn't want you to pray over the sick. He doesn't want you to pray over the oppressed. He doesn't want you to prophesy. He doesn't want you to speak out. Why? Because when we don't do that, when we walk in his way, the enemy's way, we're not pushing back the kingdom of darkness. But when we step out of our comfort zone and we step out of our box, you know what happens? God shows up on our behalf, just like he did the children of Israel. You are more and you are mightier than what you think and you have authority. And see, when the enemy saw that they were more and they were mightier, he went into a propaganda fest against the children of Israel. He he wanted to do everything possible for them not to realize who God had designed them to be. If you want to know what the enemy is working hard on, he is working hard to challenge you about who you really are. And he will, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes he'll get in your ear as you're driving to work. And he'll whisper some lies. He'll whisper some things in your ear, your ears. What he does, the enemy loves to work with disinformation. He loves to work with disinformation. Why? To suppress the truth of who you really are and why you are and what you possess in God. The text said in Exodus 1 that not only were they more and mightier, that he established taskmasters over the top of them to burden them. You see, part of the bondage was the burden. Don't miss what I just told you. I said part of the bondage was actually the burden. The enemy wants to suppress and he wants to burden you so that once that, so that what was once mighty was, and, and what was once mighty and what was more is now walking in chains. Did you hear me? He wants to suppress you. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you in your place that you're in right now to suppress you. To suppress you and to keep you in bondage, to keep you in chains. But here's what happened. The children of Israel, I love this moment. I love this moment because they're in this, this place where the enemy, Pharaoh, is suppressing them. In slavery, in bondage. But there was somebody that got a little fired up. There was somebody that inside of their spirit started realizing that this is not the place that I'm called to be. There was something inside of their spirit that said, this isn't what God has for me. And they started praying. They started crying out to the God who could set them free. They started crying out to the God that could relieve them from these chains. They started crying out to that God that they knew that he had something better for them. They were saying this, I know that this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be like. There was a desperation that came to them. Have you ever been so desperate for something? That you wanted to see a breakthrough? You were willing to do whatever it takes in that moment? Desperation. There was a desperation. There was a cry that came from the children of Israel to be free. And what I need you to know this morning is that some of you in this room, some of us in this room, we've been walking around in this chains and we've been walking around in this bondage. And you're thinking that there's no way out. Maybe the reason why we're not seeing the breakthrough that we want to see in our lives is because we're not desperate enough to see it. You see, desperation doesn't know any decency. It doesn't have, it doesn't know decency. If if somebody, if my babies, if my babies are in trouble or hurting, you know what happens in that moment? 
You know what happens in that moment? If they're sick in body, there's a desperation that comes over you. Did you hear me? And God is wanting to raise that up in this house today. He's wanting to do something new in this house today. And you need to realize if you're not dead, God is not done with you. God is not done. And so the children of Israel, all they knew in this moment is I'm not going to stay here another day. I'm not going to stay here another moment in my life. And I'm going to turn my desperation on to show God that I'm ready to leave. That I'm ready to leave. That I'm ready to leave. I'm going to turn my desperation on so that I can show my God that I'm ready to leave this place. I'm ready to get out of this place. Are there any desperate people in this room? You know what? God loves to answer desperation. God loves to answer desperation. But God's answer to this desperation in this moment is not freedom. It's not freedom. It's deliverance. Did you hear me? It wasn't freedom, it's deliverance. Well, Pastor Josh, what's the difference? Because I want you to be free. Well, before you get free, you ought to get delivered. Let me, let me challenge you a little bit. You ought to get delivered. What's the difference? Freedom is getting you out of it, but deliverance is getting it out of you. Did you hear me this morning? How many of you know that if you get out of it, but God doesn't get it out of you, you're going to bring that same mess into the same situation? I don't care how many husbands you got. I don't care how many, how many marriages you go through. If you keep bringing in the same stuff, you're going to get the same results every time. And what God is wanting to do to this generation, he's wanting to deliver some folks so that they don't walk in that no more. So they're a different person. They're transformed. They're brand new on the inside. God is after deliverance this morning. He's after deliverance. See, people need to know your freedom. But they need to see your deliverance. Brought them out. And he delivered them. God's response of deliverance is not just freedom. God delivers his people because there's more. Because there's more. People in theology would tell you that when God delivers a man or delivers a woman, it is for freedom. But real deliverance goes past freedom. I want you to hear me this morning. Deliverance comes as an intervention that says there is more. In other words, if God has ever delivered you, it was a prophecy. Is this too much this morning? It's, it's, it's actually, it's a prophecy. Your deliverance is a prophecy. It's God's way of saying that if you get out of this situation, if I deliver you out of this situation, what you've been waiting for is on the other side. So if God has ever delivered you, you ought to shout, you ought to praise, you ought to dance, you ought to go crazy. Why? Because I know that my breakthrough is right here. I'm on my way to my breakthrough. If he brings you out of something, if he ever brings you out of a situation, I'm on my way. I know I'm ready. I'll dance. I'll praise. I'll do whatever it takes because I know I'm on my way to my breakthrough in my life. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. You know what? I'm shouting because it's, I'm, on, I'm on my way. I, I'm praising because I know I'm on the way. I'm on the way. I'm praising because I know I'm closer. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm closer. I know I'm closer. I know I'm, I'm, no, I'm closer than where I was yesterday. I know I'm closer than where I was even today. I'm closer. I'm closer. And God has something prepared for me. And God, God in this moment, for the children of Israel, God intervened, swung open the door, and he delivered them. Because there was more. There was more. And so the children of Israel at that moment 
are asked to walk. They're asked to walk, and they're as they as they're walking, as they're walking, as they're walking out of their situation, they get to the Red Sea. We know this story very well. They get to the Red Sea, and they turn to realize that Pharaoh was actually following them. Did you hear me? That Pharaoh was actually following them. What is it about the enemy that he doesn't care as long as you are working for him? But when you make it up in your mind that you're going to run after Jesus, that you're going to run after God, that you're going to run after destiny, that you're going that you're going to be radical and go all in it, the the enemy somehow sends everything he can at you. Have you ever noticed that? It's like the moment that you say, "God, I'm giving you everything in my finances." It's like, man. As soon as you say, hey, God, you had this in my finances, it's like the next week, everything is just chaos and crazy. As soon as I say, God, I'm trusting you with this, it's like, man, it'll be like something that comes at you where you're like, man, how did, where did that come from? The enemy loves to keep you stagnant. He loves when you're not doing anything. But as soon as you walk in purpose, you're, guess what? You're a threat to darkness. And so, yes, he's going to send whatever he has to send. But see, here's what happens. The text says, just before the enemy could bear down, just before he could bear down, he said, you walk to this Red Sea, and I will handle Pharaoh. I got you. For him, what did that look like? Pastor Josh, the Bible says that they, they, they went through, and as they got through, they turned around, and they saw God deal with Pharaoh. And what, what did he do to Pharaoh? He drowned that joker. He drowned that joker and all of his men. And this, this is what happens in the Bible. It says this. It says that he told them, this Pharaoh you see today, you will never see again. This Pharaoh you see today, you're never going to see him again in your life. I feel like telling somebody this. The devil you see today, the attack you've been feeling today, the attack you've been feeling this week, I'm telling you right now, I sense this prophetically this morning. You will never see that again. It's going to be broken off your life. It's going to be broken off your situation. The devil you see today, you will never see another day in your life because Jesus is about to set you free. Come on now. You know, so I, and they came out. And for most of us at that moment, it'd be a praise break, right? We'd be like dancing, shaking the tambourines. Guys, listen, I wouldn't be the one dancing. Because I, I, you know, I'm not all white. <laughs> but I'm a little white, and it's right here in my feet. They, they don't move very well. They don't move very well. But you would think after that moment, Pharaoh's drowned. You come out, praise break, it's going to be incredible, but here's what happens. This is not a praise break for the children of Israel, it actually becomes a panic attack. It becomes a panic attack, because I know everybody in Sunday school taught you that Pharaoh was the villain, and, he, and, he, and it, it's a bad situation, yes, he's a villain, but to the children of Israel, he wasn't just a villain. Did you hear me this morning? Because they didn't eat without Pharaoh. They didn't have a house without Pharaoh. Did you hear me? They didn't have a place to lay their head without Pharaoh. To the children of Israel, he might have been hard and he may have been difficult, but he was the provider. Did you hear me? He was the provider. And some of us in this room, we can't get free and stay free because we don't know how to live life without Pharaoh. 
We don't know how to live life without Pharaoh. We will come to every altar call. Come on, church, hear me this morning. We will come to every altar call. We'll come down here, we'll get prayed for, and three months later, we're walking out and we're doing the same thing that we did that was broken off of our life right there in that moment. Because we can't live life without Pharaoh. We don't know how to move, keep moving forward in that moment. And so, but what if I told you in this room today that there's an important principle that God is putting in place outside of their deliverance. He was trying to tell them, whatever I remove, I will, I will replace. Whatever I remove, I will replace. That's a word for somebody. I don't know who I'm preaching to this Sunday morning. I have no idea this morning, but I came to tell you somebody, I came to tell somebody this morning, if God took it away, let it walk. If God took it away, if God took it away, don't go chasing after it because you don't need it another day. If God ever takes it from your life, get ready. Stop crying. Turn to yourself. Turn to yourself and say something bigger and something greater is on the way. If he takes that relationship away, don't go chase after the relationship. Allow him to do his work. Stop chasing. Stop chasing. Stop chasing. But see, in the in this moment, the problem is, is that he didn't replace it. Did you hear me? He didn't replace it. See, all of us just shouted, and we went crazy like we should have. But what happens when God doesn't replace what he removes? What happens when God doesn't replace? See, see what happens when your husband leaves and God doesn't bring? Mm, what happens if your mom or your dad is situations and, and God doesn't bring? God doesn't bring that back. What, what do you do when something didn't go how you thought it would go and it doesn't seem like God gave you what you needed to survive the next season? You see, there is a deeper principle in this because God will replace what he removes. But if he does not replace this, hear this Calvary. If he does not replace what he removes, it's only because he wants to become the thing he removed in your life. Did you hear me? Don't miss this. God doesn't replace it because God wants to become it. So if God ever takes away my provider, guess what he wants to do in my life? He wants to be my provider. If he, if, if there's ever a situation where he takes a relationship out of my life, guess what he wants to do? He wants to become that because he's a faithful father. He's a good dad. He's a good father. And so he wants to be that for you in this life. And so, so many times we need to give him praise in those seasons because you're actually getting the best you could get in the season because your God is in control. Did you hear me? Your God is in control. So, God looked at them and he said, I took, I took your provider. I took your provider. I didn't replace your provider. I will be your provider in this season. So this is what I need you to do. So here's, here's the rule. You walk and I'll feed. Did you hear me? You walk and I'll feed. Your assignment in this season is that you're called to walk it out. Let me give you some Bible. We're called to walk by what? Faith. We're called to walk by faith. So I promise you. When you walk by faith, every time that you need something, God will be right there when you need it. There'll be, there'll be food on the doorstep when you need it because you serve a God that is a provider. He's a, he's Jehovah what? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God that still provides to this day. And so the children of Israel have been delivered. They stepped into a new season. And when they stepped in, they opened up the door to the first day of this new season. And guess what there was? It was manna. 
There was manna. Now, before you get caught up in the manna, please know manna is not a brand. It's not a Publix. You know, I can't, if I, if I could have gotten it, I would have gotten it. It's not a brand. It's not a Publix. The word manna in the Hebrew means, what is it? It means, what is it? So you need to hear me this morning. The meaning, this is how it applies to this principle. That on the first day, this is meaning, that on the first day in a new season, God is saying this, I'm not going to use old stuff to bless you. I'm not going to use old stuff to bless you. Hear me. I'm going to use some stuff that's, that you've never seen before. I'm going to use some things in your life that you don't have. You don't have, you know, you don't have the ability to even describe because you're like, man, I don't know how he showed up for me. I don't know how he did it, but all I know is, is that he blessed me. They walked with me. And so a lot of us, we just need some discernment in this season to realize when he's actually blessing us. So he's not going to bless us with some old stuff in a new season. But nevertheless, this is what the Bible says. Moses had to intervene. He had to intervene and tell them, before you step over this blessing another day, this is the thing God is about to bless you with. It's the stuff that God, that you've never seen in your life. See, they didn't have no, they didn't have no explanation for what they saw with their eyes. They didn't know what it was in that moment. But he's saying, I'm about to bless you in a new season with guess what? A new meal. A new meal. I'm about to bless you in a new season. Here's the deal. He said, you are going to have to eat it a certain way. You got to eat it a certain way because I didn't come this morning to tell you what he gave them. This is what I came to tell you. I came to talk to you about how he told them to get it. Because the text is clear that he said he had a meal for every man and every woman in every house. Did you hear me? The text is explicit that no matter if you are a small family or a large family, a family, a seasoned family, a new family. God has a meal for every man and every woman. I came to tell somebody today that if you're looking for a church, listen to me this morning. If you're looking for a church that's got a meal for every man, for every woman, for every black man, for every white man, for every Hispanic, for every person that's in this room, for every woman that's in this room. I'm telling you right now that there is a meal here for you. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 years or three days. There is a meal that is waiting for you. God said, I've got a meal for every man and every woman. But he said, here's the deal. He said, when I feed you, I'm going to feed you. But listen to this. According to your eating, according to how hungry you are for the meal. In other words, you're going to get what you're hungry for. According to, according is a musical term. It means in harmony with. In other words, God said this. He said, I will feed you the meal, but you will only get the meal that you have an appetite for. That's it. If I don't say anything else the rest of this morning, that's enough to start revival because God isn't going to waste anything. He's not a God of waste. He's a God who feeds. Did you hear me? He's a God who feeds which those people that are hungry. He's a God who feeds those people that are thirsty. He's a God who feeds that which are hungry. So in this room today, every man, every woman gets a meal, but, but you only take the meal. You only get the meal that you came hungry to receive. I said you only get the meal that you're hungry for in this room. Isn't it crazy that you can be sitting in a church like this? Hundreds of people. And here's what happens. We all, we all sing the same songs. We hear the same message. 
And over here, somebody gets set free of depression. Over here, somebody will get a breakthrough. Over here, somebody will get this. And over here, somebody will get that. And then some people will get absolutely nothing. But what's the difference? We sat on the same road. We sat in the same service. We sat, we're right there. We heard everything. I'm telling you this morning, I want you to hear me. God says this this morning, and I believe it all my heart. I only gave you what you're hungry for. I only gave you what you're hungry for. So what am I trying to tell you in this room? What you're eating now, what you're eating right now in this moment is because you were hungry for it when you came here. You're hungry for it. What does, what does a church like, what does a church look like if everybody comes hungry? What does worship look like if everybody comes hungry? What does, what does a sermon look like? What does a message look like if we stop scrolling on Facebook and we're actually tuned in and listening to the Holy Spirit? Listen to what God is wanting to say in the house. You know what, you know what happens in that moment? Revival breaks out. And I'm telling you, I don't want to live in another day without revival in North Alabama. I don't want to live another moment without, without wasting what God has given me and given us. Did you hear me? I want to, I'm hungry. Are there any people in this room that are hungry? Are you hungry? Have you ever seen hungry worship? Have you ever seen somebody that's like icky that maybe has stage four cancer? Or something needing a breakthrough? Have you ever seen that type of worship? Have you ever seen that type of worship when somebody's got a prodigal son or daughter? And there's this, their tears are flowing and there's, there's this, there's something... In the atmosphere, there's something. Have you ever seen that type of worship? You know, have you ever seen that type of worship that, that's up here in the front that maybe run around? And then what do we typically like to do? We like to kind of judge. Well, I, let me see. Is that God or is that? No, no, no. See, in this environment, you, this is your opportunity. You have an opportunity to judge her or join her. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, I'm not going to sit on the sideline and wait for a move of God. I'm going to jump right into a move of God because I'm hungry for more. I want more. I want more. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not going to stay here another day. Another day. We had that opportunity. We had that opportunity. And so there's some of you guys that you're sitting next to somebody gets on your nerves with their hallelujahs. And they praise God's. You know what God is doing? He's sitting you right beside somebody hoping that you'll catch on fire. You know what happens? You Hey, you put a stick. You take a stick. And if you want to catch that stick on fire, you get it next to a burning flame. And so he's sitting that person next to you and behind you that's been getting on your nerves. Why? He's trying to set you on fire again. He's trying to get you a passion again. Realize this morning that it's not over for you. I don't care if you're 80 or 10. God has a plan, purpose, and destiny. And it's our job to bring revival into this nation. I believe it. Maybe I'm crazy enough to believe that. I feel something about to break loose in this place. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. All right, all right. Let me, let me finish. I got, I got to finish. I'm sorry. We're not going to beat the Baptist today. <laughs> Do you hear me? We're not. I came to start a fight this morning. I'm sick and tired of hearing about revivals all over the nation. And I'm not seeing it in North Alabama. 
right here where we're at, North Alabama, North Alabama. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for what he's doing all over the world, but I'm telling you, I want it right here. I'm right here. And, and this is what the Lord's saying. I'll feed you according to your eating. I'll feed you for what you came hungry for. This moment forward, I want you to hear me. You're accountable for every service, every small group, every serving opportunity. You are to come hungry. Did you hear me? You are to come hungry. No, you don't, I didn't say you have to come perfect. You can come scraping, clawing to get into this place. I didn't say perfection, but you have to be hungry. Why? Because they that are hungry and thirsty, what does the Bible say? It says that they shall be filled. God says, I don't have to have it all together. But if you're hungry, if you're hungry, if you're hungry, I'll fill you till you get your energy back. I'll fill you till you get your passion back. I'll fill you till you get your peace back. I'll feed you. I'll feed you. I'm trying to close. I started looking at this idea of him feeding. Jeremy, you guys go ahead. Of him feeding us. Of him feeding us in this moment. And when God sees hunger, he, he sends the release. And I realize that this is a bigger than, this is actually bigger than just a, a Bible scripture. This is actually a principle in business. Do you hear me? Because if you study business in the Bible, you'll realize that one of the First business principles we see is seed time and what? Harvest, right? Sowing and reaping. We know that, right? But this second business principle that we see that was ever released in scripture is the business principle of what? Supply and demand. Supply and demand. The rule of supply and demand says that if there is a supply, there has to be a demand. Or else what has the supply will go out of business. And how many of you guys know that God has a good supply? He has a good supply. There's healing in his supply. There's deliverance in his supply. There's joy unspeakable. There's peace that passes all understanding. There's the, the God of supply. He, he, he's a chain-breaking supply. He is a good supplier. Did you hear me? He's a good supplier. The question I have for Calvary this morning, is there a demand? Is there a demand? We sit under one of the greatest pastors on this planet. We do. We sit under one of the greatest pastors on this planet. Hear me. You can get used to that. You, it's spoiled at times. I'm not saying we are. I'm not saying that yet. But I want to tell you, we sit up under great word we sit up under great worship we sit up under great service we have a lot of things going on there's outreach there's people being saved and delivered and transformed pastor jennifer is always telling us about somebody in the the dream center something happening god doing some amazing things but i want to tell you that you can get used to that you can get used to seeing 20 people or so being baptized on sunday morning and not celebrating it if that was your baby, you'd be celebrating it. Did you hear me? The question is, is there a demand? Is there a demand? There used to be this place. If you're, if you're like over 30, okay? There's this place called Blockbuster. I think the catchphrase was be kind and yeah, they're my over 30 folk. 
<laughs> Y'all are getting old. There's a place called Blockbuster, and uh, y'all on a Friday night, man, we're hitting up Pizza Hut. You know, we're hitting up Pizza Hut, and then we're going and we're going to walk around this Blockbuster for an hour. And we're going and we're looking for all the new releases and we're looking for all the videos, you know. And then we're checking, you know, we're checking with the front desk. And we see somebody drop something off, we're like, oh, that may be the new release. So let me go over here and get that new release. You know, it was a Friday night, man. We didn't, we didn't do much, but that was fun, man. That was something like, if they didn't have it, you just kept taking laps. You just kept taking laps around. And then so uh, eventually you kind of figure out something. You kind of, you kind of find your movie, but there's a tragedy that hit blockbuster they had some of the at the time they were creating the best dvds that they had ever created that were the most durable that could handle any type of situation they had some of the best systems for returns for checks checking in all that kind of stuff they had some of the best systems they at that at that at a point in their in Blockbuster's history, they had some of the best uh, benefits for their employees that they had ever had. They had some of the best systems in place. The company was in a good spot. It was in a good place. But they went out of business. Not because of what they possessed. But because there was no demand. There was no demand. And when I saw this, the Spirit checked me. I want you to hear me. The Spirit checked me. Jesus, I know he said, I promise to do greater things. I promise greater works. I promise that in the last days, he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, did I not say that I would release a supply over this generation? I would release a supply. And I said, when I was thinking about this and I was prepping this message, I said, God, why aren't we seeing it in North Alabama? Why am I not seeing it in North Alabama? Why am I not seeing it in my city? Why am I not seeing it in the schools? Why am I not seeing it? And I felt like the spirit of the Lord said, Josh, I'm grieved because there is no demand on earth for it. There's no demand on earth for it. There's no demand. There's no pull. You know, we have to explain miracles to the next generation because they've never seen them. We have to explain healings and signs and wonders to a next generation because they haven't seen it. We have to explain to a generation what revival really looks like because they've never seen it. See, I I remember old church. Now, we, we kind of make fun of what they sang what they wore but they had power would you hear me they had power I can remember jumping in the car with my aunt I didn't know much about church but we came to that old what we called the U Chapel on Glen Street and there was a prayer meeting going on a prayer meeting a prayer meeting and there was tons of people that showed up I mean, I tons. I'm sitting there. I'm like a young kid. And I'm like sitting there like wondering, man, what is going on? These people are like speaking in tongues. They're like doing all this. Like what is going, what is happening right now? What is happening? And my aunt said, you know what, Josh, you don't, you don't have to know everything. But God's going to show you. And they would pray. They were praying. There was someone laying on their face till midnight. Praying for a move of God. Hungry for a move of God. Hungry. I remember when every gift was in operation in the church. 
just something that would happen every now and then. It was something that happened all the time. But there was hungry people that were hungry for a word from the Lord, and they would they would share that word. I remember the possessed and the oppressed. Some of you guys remember the, the possessed and oppressed being brought in, maybe squirming and, and screaming. They didn't have a bunch of superstar celebrity pastors going up to them. They had somebody's grandma going up to them and, and grabbing a hold of them and saying, the name of Jesus come out. In the name of Jesus come out. I remember. I remember. I remember. Is it possible that God has more prepared than we are hungry to receive? Is it possible? Is it possible? I'm going to end with this, I think. I'm going to try. Reinhard Bunke. Reinhard Bunke, one of the great missionaries to Africa. Spent a lot of time over in the United States. And he was describing one of his first encounters in Africa. He said, in one of his books, he was, he was talking about how they walked for days to be at his meeting. These pastors walked for days. And they, they came up to his meeting and uh, they were all there. And I mean, these guys were like there and they're hungry. And he gets up there and he's like, he's like, I had about 30 minutes prepared. And so he gets up there and he's like, I preach my heart out. About 30 minutes in, and in the American culture, you know how it is. Like, you're kind of done. And there was some people that stood up after he got done preaching. It, this is this is crazy because we pray pull him out of the church nowadays. But there was this guy that, that stood up, and there were several that stood up, and there was one that pointed at Reinhard Bunke and said, Hey, you're not finished yet. He said, he looked at me and he said, You're not finished. He's like, You're not finished yet. And he looked around the room and he said, Because we're still hungry. We're still hungry. You're not finished yet because we're still hungry. And I felt like what God is saying to us today, could there be a generation that says, God, you're not finished yet because we're still hungry. We're still hungry. God, you're not finished yet. We're still hungry. We're hungry for more. We're hungry for a move of God. We're hungry for something we can't explain. We're hungry for something that that we don't understand, God. We're hungry for more. Is there somebody in this room that would say, I'm hungry for more today. 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 Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.